All Bones Considered, podcast number five. Building Philadelphia, John Notman, Napoleon Lebrun, Frank Furness, and Horace Trumbauer. Cemetery is a National Historic Landmark, an Arboretum, a Sculpture Garden, a Nature Preserve, and an active cemetery in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It opened in 1836 and remains a popular visiting spot for thousands of people every year. Its sister cemetery, West Laurel Hill Cemetery, located across the Schuylkill River in Ballakinwood, was founded in 1869 and has a history and a population of its own. Join me for the next 30 minutes and find out about four of our permanent residents, four people who gave us the Philadelphia we know today. Architects John Notman, Napoleon Lebrun, Frank Furness, and Horace Trumbauer. I'm Joe Lex, your host for All Bones Considered, Laurel Hill Stories. I'm not an architect. When I was growing up in the suburbs of Chicago in the 1950s, I could name Frank Lloyd Wright. That was about it. In the 33 years that I've lived in Philadelphia, I have learned a lot about architects, though, and a lot about Philadelphia architects. For instance, Frank Lloyd Wright was a student of Chicago architect Louis Sullivan, who had studied with Philadelphia architect Frank Furness early in his career. If you were to put together a tour for the most impressive buildings in Philadelphia, your top 10 might resemble my top 10. The PAFA building, the Academy of Music, the Cathedral on Loken Circle, the Athenaeum on Washington Square, the Philadelphia Art Museum, and a few others. All of these buildings have a Laurel Hill connection. John Notman was the product of four generations of Scottish lowland gardeners and stone workers. He was grandnephew of the mason employed by architect Robert Adam in the building of Mylerstein, the great mansion near Kelso in Roxburgh on the Tweed, currently home of the 14th Earl of Haddington. He was born in the Canongate section in the heart of Edinburgh in July 1810. Much of his childhood was spent in a soft gray-green landscape at Laswade, a village six miles south of the city. His father, David Notman, worked in the stone quarry on the adjoining estate of Fearneyside. An anonymous early biographer claims that young Notman, quote, attended the School of Arts in Edinburgh, well known to all sojourners in that romantic city as the Royal Institution on the Mound. He was apprenticed to a builder for four years and was then employed by a castle architect in the Scottish Highlands and then on a similar work in the north of Ireland. A family tradition indicates that part of Notman's apprenticeship was in London under Michael Angelo Nicholson, who died in 1842, at his school of, quote, architecture and perspective in Melton Place, Euston Square. John Notman arrived in Philadelphia in 1831, but returned to Edinburgh in 1833 to bring his mother, three sisters, and brother Peter to America. They landed at Philadelphia on April 1, 1834, on the steamship Susquehanna from Liverpool. The ship's log listed him as a carpenter. 
In May 1836, there was an architectural competition for the new garden cemetery called Laurel Hill. His designs for a brownstone Doric gate and of plantings for the entire cemetery won him the job over more experienced and more expensive established architects. Here on a hill of natural beauty overlooking the Schuylkill and on dry soil, cemetery founder John J. Smith and the young Scott laid out their garden cemetery, quote, secure from the idle gaze of heartless passengers where one specimen at least of every valuable tree and shrub which will bear the climate would be grown. Notma designed the walls, the receiving vault, and in 1838, the Gothic chapel. Many future residents liked his work and commissioned him to design many pieces of important and fanciful cemetery sculpture, including the mausoleums for Edward Williams Robinson, Doric, Joseph Saunders Lewis, Egyptian, and John A. Brown, Gothic. Another is the canopied altar tomb of Mrs. George Lieb Harrison, Letitia, sister of Silas Ware Mitchell. Soon he had commissions up and down the East Coast, houses in Princeton, churches in Burlington, office buildings and other cemeteries, including Hollywood Cemetery in Richmond, Virginia. He built English Gothic houses and Tuscan villas and Georgian mansions. He built St. Patrick's Catholic Church on Rittenhouse Square, which was preserved during the nativist riots of 1844, and the Athenaeum on Washington Square, one of the first United States buildings to be constructed of brownstone. He became very wealthy, and he allowed many other young architects to apprentice with him. His last work was the brownstone mansion of John T. Tayet at 1518 Walnut Street, now the site of an apartment building. John Notman died at age 55 on March 3rd, 1865, and he was buried in his own Laurel Hill Cemetery in Section M-163, very near the gatehouse. He had completed only three decades of work in his adopted country, but stood forth a leading architect and landscape designer, a preceptor of the Italian Renaissance Revival, and a major inspiration to the good taste and educated imaginative perspective which were being slowly developed in the United States. When we talk about the magnificent structures of Philadelphia, we have to include the Cathedral Basilica of Saints Peter and Paul at Logan Circle and the Academy of Music on South Broad Street. Their common element is the architect Napoleon Eugene Charles Henry Lebrun. In the 1830s, what we now call Logan Circle was Logan Square. Until 1825, the commons there, one of the four open spaces provided for in the first plan of Philadelphia, was known as Northwest Square. Before 1825, this section of the city was in an almost primitive state, and a small creek passed through the square from the northeast corner to the south, and then continued until it reached the Schuylkill River at about Arch Street. But after the Ordinance of 1825, which renamed the four squares, they were scheduled to be fenced in and some effort was made to lay out gravel walks. But Logan Square and Rittenhouse, or Southwest Square, were slow to receive any improvement for this part of town was regarded as out in the sticks. Like the other original squares, Northwest Square for some years was partly used as a burial place for strangers, a potter's field. However, a more sinister part was played here from shortly after the Revolution until 1823. 
During this period, criminals sentenced to be hanged were executed on this barren commons in full view of curious crowds. The last public execution held at Logan Square was witnessed on February 17, 1823, when William Gross was hanged for the murder of a woman named Keziah Stowe. Fun fact, this is the location where Pope Paul II said his papal mass when he visited Philadelphia in October of 1979. The edge of the city location with its nefarious history nonetheless seemed the best place to build a magnificent cathedral. The Right Reverend Francis Patrick Kenrick, third bishop of the Catholic Diocese of Philadelphia, was the man to get it started. In 1845, he revealed his plan. Many of his peers questioned his choice, located so far from the center of action by the Delaware River. But on September 8th, the bishop laid the foundation stone. It is unclear if there were actually plans for the building. Philadelphia native Napoleon Lebrun, an up-and-coming 25-year-old architect, came forth with a plan. Lebrun was a son of the Napoleonic ambassador to the United States, who after the downfall of that regime remained here and settled in Philadelphia. Lebrun's early architectural training began at age 15 when he was placed in the offices of Thomas Eustick Walter in Philadelphia. Walter later became architect of the United States Capitol and is buried at Laurel Hill in Section G-232. This was shortly after the nativist riots and the height of anti-Catholicism and know-nothings in Philadelphia. The cathedral was designed with this in mind. That's why the windows were all placed high enough above the ground that even a well-thrown stone could not reach them. Lebrun designed the basilica and supervised the project from 1846 to 1851. A familiar name, John Notman, took over in 1857 and added the dome and facade. The first divine service was Easter Sunday of 1863. By that time, Lebrun had moved on to other major projects, including the Grand Old Lady of Locust Street. The Academy of Music at 240 South Broad Street, the corner of Locust, was built from 1855 to 57. It is the oldest opera house in the United States that is still used for its original purpose. President Franklin Pierce attended the groundbreaking ceremony. In 1872, it was the site of the Republican National Convention, which nominated Ulysses S. Grant for his second term as U.S. President. The Academy is the home of the Pennsylvania Ballet and Opera Philadelphia. It was also the home to the Philadelphia Orchestra from its inception in 1900 until 2001, when the orchestra moved to the new Kimmel Center for the Performing Arts. It seats nearly 2,800 people and has wonderful acoustics. The 16-foot in diameter crystal chandelier hanging from the center of the dome weighs nearly 5,000 pounds. Lebrun went on to design the Montgomery County Courthouse in Norristown, the Masonic Temple and the MetLife Tower in New York City, and many, many churches. He died in 1901 and is buried under a rather plain slab near the Bolin family plot in Section F83. I am not a student of architecture, but I admit that some buildings take my breath away when I first see them. St. Mary's Basilica on the square in Krakow, Poland, comes to mind. Ditto for the Khao Dai Temple in Tainan, Vietnam, and the Seven Sisters buildings in Moscow. 
But two of my favorites are in Philadelphia, and they're from the mind of the same architect, Frank Furness. The Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts building on North Broad Street and the Fisher Fine Arts Library on the University of Pennsylvania campus in West Philadelphia. The combination of red brick and sandstone and terracotta, the mashup of fortress and cathedral, the sheer muscularity of his work help you understand the power of good architecture. If you don't know the buildings, stop listening now. Go look them up on the web. The Frank Furness Wikipedia page will guide you. Frank Furness came from a pretty amazing family. His father, William Henry Furness, was a clergyman, theologian, transcendentalist, abolitionist, and reformer. He was lifelong friends with Ralph Waldo Emerson and served 50 years as minister of the First Unitarian Church of Philadelphia on Chestnut Street, just around the corner from the Mutter Museum and the College of Physicians of Philadelphia. One of Frank's older brothers, Horace Howard Furness, was the preeminent Shakespearean scholar of the 19th century. The father and Horace are buried in section T7 of Laurel Hill. Another older brother, William Henry Furness Jr., moved to Boston and was a very successful portrait painter. And his older sister, Annis Lee Furness Wister, married into the prominent Wistar family and became a prominent translator of texts from German to English. Frank traveled to France in his teens to study architecture, but returned in time to serve as captain and commander of Company F, 6th Pennsylvania Volunteer Cavalry, Russia's Lancers. He received the Medal of Honor for his gallantry at the Battle of Trevelyan Station when he, quote, voluntarily carried a box of ammunition across an open space swept by the enemy's fire to the relief of an outpost whose ammunition had become almost exhausted but which was thus enabled to hold its important position, end quote. 25 years after fighting in the Battle of Gettysburg, he designed the monument to his regiment on South Cavalry Field. Furness's first architectural commission, Germantown Unitarian Church, built 1866-67 but demolished around 1928, was a solo effort. But in 1867, he formed a partnership with John Fraser, his former teacher, and George Hewitt, who had worked in the office of John Notman. Furness and Hewitt were the partners that won the commission for the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts from 1871 to 1876, just in time for the Centennial Exposition. His combination of stone, iron, glass, brick, and terracotta remains striking even 150 years later. And in your first visit to PAFA, you may be more attracted to the architecture than the paintings on the wall. If you want him in smaller doses, head to the Philadelphia Zoo. Furness designed the Victorian entryway. Furness was undoubtedly a Philadelphia architect. At one time, about 600 of his works dotted the local landscape. But his style fell out of favor, and many, if not most, of his works were torn down. Following decades of neglect, there was a revival of interest in his work in the mid-20th century. The critic Lewis Mumford, tracing the creative forces that had influenced Lewis Sullivan and Frank Lloyd Wright, wrote in his 1931 work, The Brown Decades, quote, Frank Furness was the designer of a bold, unabashed, ugly, and yet somehow healthily pregnant architecture, end quote. 
20th century architects Louis Kahn and Robert Venturi were both fans when they lived in Philadelphia and taught at the University of Pennsylvania. They often visited Furness's Pennsylvania Academy of the Fine Arts and his University of Pennsylvania Library. And I have been told that the pronunciation is not Furness. He had red hair and a bad temper and frequently compared himself to a fiery furnace. To this day, Furness is the only architect known to be awarded the Medal of Honor. He died at age 72 in 1912, and his modest government-issue tombstone is in Plot 94, bare feet from the magnificent Alexander Sterling Calder statue of Greek goddess Cleo looking over the gravesite of scholar Henry Charles Lay. I obviously love his work, and I am thankful that many of his buildings were spared and are still standing. Here's a question. Who wrote Shakespeare's plays? Lots of people think that's a legitimate question. Similarly, many people ask, who designed Horace Trumbauer's buildings? That's a legitimate question also. Trumbauer and his colleagues were the go-to architects for moneyed Philadelphians in the late 19th and early 20th century. Families like the Wideners and the Elkins liked Trumbauer's work so much he became the family architect. The mansion, the summer home in Newport, Willow Grove Park, and then their mausoleums at Laurel Hill Cemetery. Horace was born in 1868 to an unusual family. His oldest brother appears to never have left home and died young. The next oldest brother was a dwarf, and then his two older sisters were lifelong spinsters. But Horace was a man on a mission. He was not a high school dropout because he never bothered attending high school. He quit school at age 14 to apprentice with architects G.W. and W.D. Hewitt, who you might remember as partners with Frank Furness on the PAFA project. And as soon as he reached 21 in 1890 and could legally sign contracts, he set up his own shop. And like most architects of his time, Horace Trumbauer did not stay with one particular style. Classicism, Gothic, Elizabethan were all within his purview, and he would produce whatever the client wanted. Interestingly, when Horace checked his lineage, he could trace the family to the Black Forest in the 1700s, where their name was Trump. Our president's family name was Drumpf, so it is unlikely that they are related. Horace had no life but architecture. He did not socialize, he had no children of his own, but he did care for his stepdaughter when he married in 1903. Trumbauer's first major commission was Grey Towers Castle in 1893, designed for the sugar magnate William Welsh Harrison, who has a magnificent mausoleum in Laurel Hill, by the way. The Grey Towers is now what you see when you pass Arcadia University in Glenside. Harrison introduced him to the streetcar tycoon and real estate developer Peter A.B. Widener whose 110-room Georgian Revival Palace, Linwood Hall, built 1897 to 1900, launched Trumbauer's successful career. For the Wideners, the Elkinses, and their circle, he designed mansions in Philadelphia, New York, and Newport, Rhode Island, office buildings, hospitals, and Harvard University's principal library, the Harry Elkins Widener Memorial Library. Built with a gift from Eleanor Elkins Widener, the library is a memorial to her son, Harry, class of 1907, an enthusiastic young bibliophile who died on the RMS Titanic.
1906, Trumbauer hired Julian Abiel, the first African-American graduate of the University of Pennsylvania Architecture Department, and promoted him to chief designer in 1909. Trumbauer's later buildings are sometimes attributed to Abiel, but this is speculation. With the exception of the chapel at Duke University in 1934, Abiel never claimed credit for any of the firm's buildings designed during Trumbauer's lifetime. The commission for the Philadelphia Museum of Art, built 1916 to 28, was shared between Trumbauer's firm and Zantzinger, Bory, and Maderi. Trumbauer architect Howard Lewis Shea is credited with the building's plan and massing, although the perspective drawings appear to be in Abiel's hand. Abiel is also credited by many with designing the so-called Rocky Steps out front. When it opened in 1928, the building was nicknamed the Great Creek Garage. But perched on Fairmount Hill and terminating the axis of the Benjamin Franklin Parkway, it is now considered to be the most magnificently situated museum in the United States. Trumbauer was the architect for White Marsh Hall for Edward Stoteberry a place where European art treasures were secretly stored during World War II. Chelton House in Elkins Park, the Ritz-Carlton at Broad and Walnut. He designed the Racquet Club, the Stock Exchange Building, and the Jenkintown train station. He designed the Free Library of Philadelphia's Parkway Central Library, the Irvine Auditorium at the University of Pennsylvania, the Keswick Theater in Glenside, and the South Tower of Hahnemann Hospital. Oh, and the Union League. And his hand was on the New York Evening Post building, the Elms, Edward Julius Berwin's mansion, and Miramar, Eleanor Elkin Widener's mansion, both in Newport. He did the Helen Hope Montgomery Scott Homestead Ardrison, the inspiration for the movie The Philadelphia Story, and Jefferson Medical College. Oh, and uh, Duke University. And West Laurel Hill Cemetery, where he came to rest in Lot Franconia 73 when he died at age 69 in 1938. His legacy remains all over Philadelphia. I think in a contest of Philadelphia architects, Horace Trumbauer wins, if for nothing else than the number of his creations. I hope you enjoyed your architectural tour of the Laurel Hills. I obviously could have talked about a lot more people. Thomas Ustick Walter, who designed the U.S. Capitol Dome and part of Philadelphia City Hall, is buried in Plot G-232 in Laurel Hill. John MacArthur, Jr., in Laurel Hill South Section 784, who designed the Wagner Free Institute of Science, the first National Bank building on Chestnut, and part of City Hall. Or George Herzog, designer of the interior of the stunning Masonic Temple across from City Hall, who's buried at West Laurel Hill in River 43. Or even James H. Windrum, who designed the exterior of Masonic Hall and is yet another student of John Notman. He's in Marlboro Section 2 in West Laurel Hill. There are many others. Next time in the October edition of All Bones Considered, I'll tell you about some fathers and sons. Thomas and Albert Sully, portrait artist and Indian fighter. Robert and Francis Patterson, two soldiers of unusual distinction. And Peter, George, and Harry Widener, a robber baron grandfather who lost his son and grandson on the Titanic.
Laurel Hill Cemetery is located at 3822 Ridge Avenue in the East Falls section of Philadelphia, just a block from the SEPTA 61 bus stop at Ridge and Allegheny. Admission is free, as is parking in the lot across the street. West Laurel Hill Cemetery is at 225 Belmont Avenue in Ballakinwood, with parking available at the main entrance and at the bell tower. Both Laurel Hills are open from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. from May to October, and 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. November through April. You can wander on your own or take one of the more than 100 guided tours given by knowledgeable volunteer guides every year or download the app for both cemeteries and chart your own way across the property. Find out more at www.thelaurelhillcemetery.org or www.westlaurelhill.com. Once you've fallen in love with these hotspots, become a friend of Laurel Hill and West Laurel Hill, and you have the opportunity for several members-only special tours conducted each year. They may be cemeteries, but they are a couple of the liveliest spots in town. I'm Joe Lex, reminding you to keep your body and soul together until next time on Old Bones Considered Laurel Hill Stories, where the plot thickens. For more on John Notman, check out John Notman, architect by Francis James Dallet from the Princeton University Library Chronicle, Spring 1959 edition. For Napoleon Lebrun, there's a fascinating article by Joseph Jackson called Building Philadelphia's Cathedral in Records of the American Catholic Historical Society of Philadelphia, September 1945. There's plenty of material available on Frank Furness, even recently in the New York Review of Books. But I recommend The Happy Employment of Means to Ends, Frank Furness's Library of the University of Pennsylvania and the Industrial Culture of Philadelphia, by George E. Thomas, published in the Pennsylvania Magazine of History and Biography, April 2002. Finally, you can read more about Horace Trumbauer in Horace Trumbauer, a Life in Architecture by Frederick Platt, also from the Pennsylvania Magazine of History and Biography from October 2001.